0: Welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, on Enemy Bylines, the in-season preview podcast. I'm Owen Warden, your host for this podcast series, where I'll talk with sports editors from Georgia football's upcoming opponents. This week, I'll speak with Jacob Waters, sports editor for the Auburn Plainsman, who rejoins the show to review the Tigers' season so far and preview their matchup with Georgia. And we are back for another edition of the In-Season Preview Podcast. Uh Today we got our second episode, one of the, the the greatest rivalry in the South. Here I got Jacob Waters once again back with us. Jacob, how you doing, man? And uh ready to talk about some uh, Georgia-Auburn?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, looking forward to breaking down this matchup.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. But before we get to the matchup itself, let's recap how Auburn's been doing so far. You know, had some interesting games. A big one this past weekend, so... Let's go and talk about it. What have been some of the biggest games so far, and what what has kind of been your interpretation of Auburn so far this season?
1: Yeah, um, definitely the biggest games were that was that road trip to Cal and then the road trip to uh, Texas A and M last week. And um, in both of those games, you know, there's kind of Auburn's two biggest tests so far. And in both, you saw the same issues um, in between those two games with the offense. Um, Just. Barely any any yards gained. Um, I don't have it off, off the top of my head. Like how many Auburn recorded against Cowan and then against A and M, but I know it was pretty bad. Um, I do know against A and M, Auburn only threw for fifty six passing yards on twenty three attempts and uh, nine completions. So that's kind of in the big interpretation negatively. Um, but positively, at least the defense has looked really good. Um, I think the end of that A and M game, um, obviously A and M ended up with twenty seven points, but I think it was mostly just because Auburn's defense is just running out of gas with how many times um, they were on the field because 10 of Auburn's 11 offensive drives ended in either a punt or a turnover on downs. So, um, you know, eventually the defense just going to be like, hey, like, <laughs> I'm worn out. I can't can't keep saving y'all. Um, and Auburn's one touchdown against A&M was a defensive touchdown off a scoop and score. So there's a kind of interpretation so far. Um, off- offense has struggled, um, but defense has actually been really good.
0: Yeah, no, the defense has looked really impressive, and I know uh, Kirby Smart talked a lot about the turnovers and stuff that's that defense has been producing. Um, it was really impressive. It's it's looked really really good. Um, which honestly, when you bring in a guy like Hugh Freeze as your head coach, I'm not exactly expecting the defense to be what shines in the first year. I was kind of like, okay, maybe the offense takes a step up. But I mean, yeah, you kind of touched on it. There are only 94 passing yards against Cal. 56 against texas a&m uh you just can't have that um uh, but not at all uh it doesn't work out very well uh especially also when your quarterback uh ends up getting sacked so many times he ends the game with negative 34 rushing yards um never a, especially specifically against texas a&m not the best sign uh for your offense um but Good news is, at the bare minimum, you still finished with one hundred and forty-four rushing yards against A and M. You know, so I mean, it, clearly the running back by committee approach, um, plus Robbie Ashford being thrown in there too. I mean, it's a good group. Ryan Batty, Jarquez Hunter. I mean, it's a good, it's a good group of running backs. So you at least have a semblance of a running game um, between what you got. Four different guys back there getting all getting touches. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think going into the A and M game, you know, when
1: you look how A and M got torched through the air against Miami, I think. A lot of people were kind of expecting uh, if Auburn's going to put up some points, he'll be through the air. But um, Auburn actually ran the ball really well against A&M. Um, and, yeah, you're talking – there's a, a bunch of guys back there uh, with Jarquez and uh, Brian and then Robbie. And, unfortunately, Damari that uh, he uh, suffered like a, a um, dislocated shoulder against A&M, so he'll, he'll be out for a while. And uh, he's, looked, he's looked pretty good so far this year. But um, even with him out, you still got true freshman Jeremiah Cobb, who is um, – He's shown some flashes so far in this season, but yeah, I mean, like you said against A and M, um, Auburn did run the ball really well, which is a, a bit of a surprise uh, to me. But yeah, obviously the passing is leaving leaving some things to be desired.
0: Yeah, no, and it's it's so interesting too because I mean you get two different reactions um, from from different Georgia guys from Smart being like, yeah, you know the run game, it's something to keep an eye on, and then Jamon Dumas Johnson. I mean that tweet I feel like has circulated decently of being like ah you know we got six linebackers we'll be fine and you know Georgia has kind of always prided itself on the run game on the run defense and I think that is something that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on just because that is one of its strengths at the very uh, at least since we've known Georgia is being able to stop the run so I'm very curious to see how it's going to be when this Auburn offense faces Georgia and how it'll things will set up. Because they do have really good running backs. And if they can get to the outside and they can really work Georgia's edges, I'm curious to see. But, you know, we touched on a little bit, Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, even Holden Griner. You you know, we got a few different guys to talk about. How has the quarterback situation been for Auburn and kind of break it down a little bit, what they're facing? All right.
1: Uh, well, at the start of the season, there was a good bit of rotation, um, and against like UMass, I were like Thorne started and then Ashford came in, um, a good bit and had like three rushing touchdowns in the first half. So it looked like it was going well. And then face Cal, obviously a bit more talented than UMass. Um, and that just didn't work out. Like you said, Auburn only had, uh, 94 yards passing, um, next week you got Sanford and then that's kind of when Thorne was basically like, he got all the snaps until that game was kind of put away. And, um. And then against A and M, obviously Thorne got the start there too. And um just nothing was working and it wasn't a case of Auburn just getting blown out. So let's put in our backups. It was Auburn was still in the game and then decided to turn to Ashford a little bit. And then when it got into like passing situations, Thorne was thrown back out there. So it's all kind of been just a mess of you can't settle on, on settle on one quarterback. Um because I mean like I was saying, like Auburn was still in the game when Ashford came in. But then eventually Auburn is in like a third and thirteen, and clearly the coaching staff doesn't trust Ashford enough to throw it downfield um, too far. So then it's just kind of the same thing we saw at the beginning of the season, where Auburn won't can't just sit on one quarterback because um, neither are producing, and neither or and both have um, pretty big weaknesses that um, um that have been pretty evident so far this season.
0: Yeah, it's been tough to to kind of see that quarterback situation not really work out because. You know, there was a hope before the season that maybe Robbie could develop into developing kind of the passing game or, you know, Peyton could regain that Michigan State form from a few years ago, but it just hasn't really happened yet, and the offensive line hasn't really given him an an opportunity, either one, an opportunity to do much. So, I mean, what do you think? Where where can this offense go next? Is it turning to Robbie Ashford full-time? Is it just sticking with Thorne and, and just kind of riding it out until he figures it out. I mean, where does this offense go?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tough question because the offense line at times it has been shaky. And then, but a lot of those sacks against A&M, like they're it, it was obvious A&M was going to blitz and Thorne just didn't do anything about it. He'd, like you point out the blitz and then just not do anything about it or you'd scramble right into the blitz that was coming. Um, so where as to like where this offense goes next. I mean, it's tough to say because, like, I, obviously there's weaknesses with Ashford's passing game. But I feel like, in just my personal opinion, I think the best thing might be just put Ashford out there and just kind of run it like Auburn did at the end of the 2022 season. Um, just put the ball through the air, like, as little as possible. And, um, obviously, that's not really I- ideal. But in my, I think it's probably the best thing that Auburn can do because, obviously, with Thorne against Power 5 competition is just – Hasn't been working, and at least with Ashford using using his legs. Um, I feel like, like I said, just kind of shaping the offense maybe towards the end of the 2022 season when Auburn ran it really well for like 250 yards against Alabama last year. Like I said, it's not ideal, but I think it's probably the best case scenario given this Auburn team.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, Cadillac is still on the coaching staff. Just bring out his offense, you know, why not? I mean, it worked really well, and you've got a good group of running backs, so... You know, just give it give it a shot. Why not? And especially, Robbie Ashford's a pretty good running quarterback itself. He's a really effective red zone player.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And especially with, you know, you think how good the defense has been this year. You know, if you can just get like 20 points, 17, 20 points and just cross your fingers that that will be enough, um, that might be the best thing to do. Because like like we were saying, like last year, Auburn's offense was pretty good at the end of the season. But the defense still, still had uh, some of its flaws. But I think, the defense this year is better than last year's. So that, that like I said, just try and score 17-20 and just cross your fingers and hope that will be enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, the defense has really stood out. And I mean, this leads me to my next question. I mean, who, who has really stood out for that defense? And what has really made this defense so much stronger than last year?
1: Yeah, I think um, one guy who's definitely stood out has been linebacker Eugene Asante. Um, he was actually on the team last year but he only played in four games, and at one point he was even practicing with the uh, scout team because he just wasn't wasn't getting a lot of snaps in the regular season. Um, but he's been right there as um, Auburn's starting linebacker, and uh, he had the touchdown against A and M, the fumble recovery where he had to go around Jimbo Fisher on, on the sideline, which was crazy. Um, but yeah, he's just been he's been a force uh, so far. He was amazing against Cal. I think he had like three tackles for loss and a sack. Um, he, he's so speedy, and um, he's. I think something he's improved from since his time at North Carolina is his angles of, of of making tackles has gotten so much better. Um, so he's really been, really been a force. Um, at linebacker, and then I think the secondary, um, has been pretty good. Um, Matt obviously Max Johnson came in last week and uh, had a good time against Auburn secondary, but I still think um through before that game, Jalen Simpson had three interceptions in three games and then um Nehemiah Pritchett and DJ James are just really really talented um so I'd say kind of secondary as a whole has stood out but there's also a lot of injuries in the secondary right now
0: yeah there's there's some things there's definitely some things to keep working through but I mean there's been so much shine from that group and I mean Nehemiah Pritchett DJ James have been really fun Jalen Simpson feels like he's been one of the top safeties in the SEC so far this season so like but I also think a big thing, at least from my perspective, is it feels like Auburn really added depth through the transfer portal this year. And, and you know, they brought in starters, you know, I mean, Larry Nixon and and Isaiah Nassil-Kite and all those guys, you know, they're, they're starting. They're actually, like, really playing significant snaps. But, I mean, you still got guys like Elijah McAllister and, and guys like that playing in that kind of depth role, that rotational role. And I feel like that's maybe not something that Auburn really had last year. So, like, having that, that senior and, and junior experience, I don't think they've got anybody younger than a junior starting for this group. So, like, having that, that senior leadership and having that ability to just have guys keep rotating in and, and fresh legs, just feels like it wasn't really something that Auburn had last year. And I think that's a big part of it. But what do you think? Yeah,
1: I absolutely agree with you, especially on the uh, defensive line. There are a lot of guys from the portal there. Um, like I said, Elijah McAllister – that whole Jack position is filled with, um, transfers with Jalen McLeod from Appalachian State and, uh, Steven Sings, the fifth from Liberty. Um, then Justin Rogers from Kentucky on the D line, Lawrence Johnson from, uh, Purdue and, uh, Mosiah, like you said, from Maryland and then linebackers too. um, added Larry Nixon and Austin Keyes, but Keyes, um, suffered a finger injury in the first game of the season. So he hasn't been able to go since then. Um, And then in the secondary, I don't think there's anybody added through the portal, but through the first three games, um, Nehemiah Pritchett was out with an injury. So true freshman, Kay and Lee started in all three of those games. And uh, now that I think that was important because he obviously got got some pretty valuable snaps playing. Um, And now that Pritchett's back, Kay and Lee can kind of, he's not starting anymore, but he can still sub in and has a little bit of experience at least uh, to add even more depth to the uh, secondary.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, having a, having a young guy like that, being able to rotate in, get experience, I mean, that's just always great, especially as a true freshman. Um, but, you know, we've talked about a lot of players, but I just want to ask, so far through the season, who has been your favorite player to watch and cover so far?
1: I think probably Eugene Asante, like I talked about before. Um, there's nobody really on offense that has really stood out. Um, maybe Rivaldo Fairweather, he's, he's been pretty good at a uh, tight end. He had that game-winning catch against Cal, um, and he also converted like a third and 17 on that same drive. Um, So I'll I'll give credit to one offensive player who's been good. I would would say Rivaldo Fairweather, he's been good. And then um, on defense, yeah, I would say Eugene Asante and uh, Jalen Simpson, kind of like I talked about before. They've just been – they've been obviously doing their jobs, but then they've also been like super flashy while doing it, which obviously makes it a little bit more fun um, to cover them. They, it just seems like they're always around the ball or making a play.
0: Yeah. I mean, how can you not love guys like that that are making plays and then are making the highlight reel? I mean, it's fun to see. And especially guys that have been on the team for a while or at least just have a lot of experience with those, like, those fifth year type seniors. Just fun to see. You know, fun, fun to see those guys really reach the, that potential.
1: They have uh, huge personalities, uh, which is fun talking to them after the game. Um, they're my, based on people I've talked to um, on the team. they're definitely like the most outspoken and most fun to uh, talk to so that's another factor that uh why I like covering covering them
0: oh absolutely I mean I I mean we've only talked to him once but I mean Warren Brinson you know had a sack against UAB and he's he's been looking really impressive really getting his pressure numbers up but he is so much fun to talk to in media and, and stuff like that and he's one of those guys that you know, it's got no no problem throwing a throwing a curse and in, and in, into his media availabilities and stuff like that. So those type of guys are fun to cover, especially when they start showing promise. And you know, he's another one of those guys that's just a long term senior. So one of those guys that's fun to be like, you know what, good for you, man. And then same thing with like Tyke Smith. You know, he's been playing so well for us this year. So like for not for us, but for for Georgia specifically this year. So it's been so much fun to watch him play really well. And and for a guy that's been here and dealt with injuries those are the guys that are fun to really pull for and, and really talk about just from a a media perspective you know but you know as fun as these guys are and as fun as the defense has been there has definitely been some disappointment and we've talked about that already who at least from your preseason expectations has kind of fallen short and has been the most disappointing to watch
1: yeah i'd probably put it and say peyton thorn um you know, I think when, I, when we talked over the summer, I said I didn't think he was going to be, like, a game-changer or anything. But I also didn't expect him to kind of just keep Auburn, like, out of a ball game. really. I didn't expect him to be be the one, like, holding Auburn's offense back. I thought it might might be the receivers, might be the offensive line. Um, so I would probably say Payne Thorne just because I think during halftime of that A&M game, I was thinking, like, man, this guy, he looks like a true freshman making his first-ever road start. Just like, like I talked about, a was sending a lot of blitzes and he just could not – he just didn't factor it into what he was doing. Um, you know, he was holding the ball for way too long, um, seeing the blitzes and then just not doing anything about it. And uh, he had a couple interact, inaccurate passes. Uh, there was a wh- wheel route to Jay Fair. Um, I think in the second, first or second quarter, wide open, it would have been a walk-in touchdown. He overthrew him by eight, eight yards. And you just can't have those things on the road in SEC play. Um those things obviously come back to buy you. So I'd probably say Peyton Thorne, um, just just for those reasons I listed.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not been great. Um and again I thought I thought this was a guy that like I, I completely agreed with you at that time, um, just at the bare minimum could run the offense, you know, and I knew that he would have a strong running game. And I thought that would allow him to kind of relax and feel things out and and because, you know, when he did have success at Michigan State, it was because he had guys that were able to be really effective I mean Kenneth Walker at Michigan State you know like he he was so key for that team and and it allowed Peyton Thorne to really expand the offense and find his wide receivers and get these guys involved and yet it just didn't happen and it, it you know it didn't work out last year with Michigan State and you know you hope he gets a run game again and it just doesn't happen this year and I mean, it just I, I, I kind of agree with you, honestly, with the Robbie Ashford take because he's the only thing that brings any spark to this offense. Even if it's just through the running game, he at least brings something. And, you know, and, and I think Auburn will probably continue to work and figure out what they're going to do going forward. But for this season alone, I just don't know if Peyton Thorne is a guy to really be able to rely on. But, you know, we've we've talked about Auburn. We've detailed them. Let's really get into this Georgia matchup. What do you think of Auburn's matchup with Georgia? How do they match up? How do these two teams really look, at, at least on paper, when facing each other?
1: Right. Um, I think for Georgia, it's it's kind of hard to take many takeaways from them, just given who Georgia's played so far this, this year. But I, at the same time, it's common knowledge to me that Georgia's obviously really, really good. Um, one of the best teams in the country, if not <clears throat> the best team in the country, so just matchup wise, given how bad Auburn's offense has been this year, um, it, it's obviously not favoring Auburn, uh, very much, you know, Auburn, Auburn might be able to run the ball decently well against Georgia, but at the end of the day, um, with how bad the passing attack's been, it, you know, it kind of, it, it leaves a lot of doubt in me that Auburn will be able to score a lot of points. Um, defensively, I like would say Auburn's defense has been really good, um, Georgia obviously has a lot of playmakers. Um the only positive I see for Auburn is that this will be Carson Beck's first road game, if if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh first road game uh, since the deep south sold his rivalry. Um uh, so Jordan here will probably be on fire, um, at least for the start of that game. So I think if I'm trying to find like any positive matchup wise for um Auburn, it's that young quarterback making his first road start um in a hostile environment might keep Auburn in it for a little bit. Um, but as for the the rest of the, uh, of each team, I just, I think Georgia has a lot, obviously a lot of playmakers that, um, Auburn won't be able to keep, keep up with, especially if the offense is stalling and you're just throwing the defense back out every three, four minutes.
0: Yeah. At a certain point, it's just kind of one of those things where how long can the defense last? Uh, and I, and I think that's definitely a way that this game could go. Um, I also could easily see this kind of being the first game where Beck might, Throw his first like actual interception. Um, He's got one in the season, but truthfully, that was a deep ball to Dylan Bell that he just didn't catch, and it was just a tip. It was just a tip ball um, that Ball State came down with. But I think this could absolutely be a game where Beck just makes a wrong read or something like that, and and does something like that. But Beck's kind of always been known as one of those guys that's going to make the safe call. um, If if you've kind of seen certain things that he he throws it short. He's very – he doesn't really go down the field much uh, to the chagrin of many Georgia fans. Um, but, you know, if they try and get a little risky, they try and go down the field make a statement in, in its uh, first-road environment, I could easily see that Auburn defense taking advantage and, and really executing turnovers like they have all season. But, you know, I just gave a few of my thoughts of, of back itself. But, you know, from Georgia, from what you've seen and, and from the few things that you can kind of take away – what are your thoughts of the Bulldogs so far through the season?
1: Yeah, I think um, I don't know that much about the roster, but I know about the coaching staff a lot. And obviously, Kirby Smart, um, one, I, in my opinion, he's the best coach in college football. Um, and I know there are a lot of question marks bringing in Mike Bobo, but in my mind, it's if this is who Kirby wanted, then even out I'm completely removed from the Georgia program, uh, then I completely trust that that's – probably the, probably the right uh, right hire and then um obviously you got brock bowers um lad i, I never know how to say his last name uh, obviously i know he's been a little bit banged up but you still got brock bowers out there um just a bunch of talent talent rec- on season talented receivers and uh, talented running backs um and a talented offensive line too so i can't say that i've sat down and like i don't i watched a little bit of the georgia south carolina game um and but all I know obviously Georgia's recruited extremely extremely well and um that even if we haven't seen, if even if we don't have any takeaways so far through four games um i'm sure that that talent talent speaks for itself and that um that uh, it's obviously helped help Georgia through the first four games
0: yeah it it's a pretty good team it's a pretty good roster i don't think there it's without questions which i feel like at this point in college football, every single team has questions. Um, I don't think there's been a single team that's, like, established themselves as, oh, really good, you know? I mean, like, Ohio State had a had a pretty good comeback win against Notre Dame, but even then, I'm not exactly sure if Ohio State's for real just yet. And, you know, Penn State's looked really impressive, but who have they played um, other than uh, interesting Iowa team? And, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of questions around college football, but... I think as we continue on in this game is going to answer a lot of questions, I think for both of these teams. Um,
1: yeah. I think um, coming into the season, I, I know I'd heard Kirby talk about how like, he was just completely honest and said he didn't know how the pass rush would be for Georgia. Um, so I don't, I don't like, so I don't know if that's has kind of fixed itself or um, been sorted out, but you know, that's the only weakness I, I'd heard of like coming into the season for Georgia, um, that everything else had been pretty much, pretty much positive.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, the offense is still interesting, but honestly, Michael Williams, when not dealing with sickness, uh, which kind of ran through the team, he uh, he was taking on double teams and still breaking through South Carolina, and, you know, their offensive line isn't anything much either, um, but, you know, he's looked really impressive so far, uh, former five-star sophomore, but he's looked pretty fun, um, so I'm curious to see what he ends up doing and, and, and how he does, especially if he's good to go. Uh, for Saturday, but he's been fun. Like I said, Warren Brinson's been getting some pressure and stuff like that. So it's been a lot of pressure, not a ton of sacks, but that's never really been George's offense, but it's an, it's an interesting unit and I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes, especially against an Auburn team that, I mean, again, George has had a hard time dealing with quarterback runs um, and Robbie Ashford. If he gets the significant playing time that we think he should, I think it'd play pretty well, but let's throw it back to you. Score prediction. Who wins? Who loses? And what's kind of the big impacts of this game, you know, as a result?
1: Yeah, I think the uh, prediction I've been sitting at uh, for most of this week is around Georgia 31, Auburn 10. Uh, I think Georgia will cover. I think, honestly, you can see it looking a lot like the A&M, Auburn's, Auburn's game against A&M last week, um, where the defense is playing really good. You know, like we talked about with Carson Beck making his first road start. Uh, the offense. You know, it doesn't have its like full identity yet. So I think Auburn could stay in it for maybe like the first half or something. Um, and then but eventually, like we talked about, I think the defense will just be worn out, thrown out their way too many times, and eventually it's it's gonna crumble. Um, I just don't see, um, Auburn's offense really being able to produce enough points here to yeah. to beat Georgia. Um, freeze and set on Monday that the plan is still to roll with uh Peyton Thorne a at, at quarterback at Q B one and um and maybe there's a surprise that he he doesn't, but I, I think I would I expect Thorne to be the, the guy out there. I just don't think that that's gonna be enough against a really, really talented Georgia defense.
0: Yeah, and I I, I don't think so either. I've I've currently got that game listed at about thirty five to six um mostly cuz uh George's biggest issue truthfully has been their uh their freshman field goal kicker. He's missed 3 so far this season. Uh so I'm not putting any faith on this team being able to make field goals. Uh so but I do think that they could get uh in the end zone about 5 times. Um and you know Peyton Thorne, I just don't know if he's going to be able to drive down the field enough. Uh so I think it's really going to come out, down to how Sue and Robbie Ashford gets into this game and if his legs are able to propel Auburn to get at least close to the end zone. Because I think if Auburn can get into the red zone, I think they could probably get it in just because Robbie Ashford has that kind of ability to, you know, maybe he can't really get down the field too well, but once they get in the red zone, he's pretty effective. So, you know, that's that's kind of my thought of this game. I, I do think Georgia ends up pulling away with it, but I do think Auburn's defense gives Georgia its biggest offensive test this season. Yeah,
1: I could see it looking a lot like the uh, matchup two years ago, uh, when Bo Nicks was still at Auburn. You know, I I, I was a student at that game uh, in the student section. I think Auburn got the ball first, drove it down. Everybody was super hyped, and then having to kick a field goal. But I just remember it was, it was Auburn was kind of sitting there, like in striking distance through the first half, and then the uh, second half started, and it was just all Georgia. Um, so I could see it looking a lot like that. I don't remember the final score from that game but just kind of that same, same feel Auburn's kind of in it through a quarter and a half, maybe two quarters. And then um, Georgia regroups at halftime and uh, probably shuts out the Auburn offense in the second half.
0: Yeah. I, I, I absolutely could see it going that way. Um, But, you know, to, to kind of round it out with a final question, you know, even if Auburn does drop this game, you know, and, and stuff like that, where do they go after this game? Where, how does this team progress if they do take a loss? And, and, Where do you think this team can kind of progress this season?
1: Funny enough, I actually kind of read a story exactly like this yesterday. This this is perfect timing. But, you know, if Auburn loses this, 0-2 in conference play, they get a bye week, but then they got to go to LSU. Then Ole Miss comes into town. Auburn could be looking at an 0-4 start to SEC play, uh, which hasn't happened since 2012 when Auburn went 3-9 and fired Gene Chizik. Um, So, like, I I think pretty much everybody's going to expect Auburn to lose this game. I think it's just kind of how Auburn responds after that. Um, I don't think that Auburn fans like expectations should be tempered if Auburn does start off 0 and 4 because it's just it's just a tough start, uh, especially losing to the A and I, I, I had that as like my biggest game coming into the season because um, it could have been the difference between one and three or 0 and 4 start. Um, but as for progression, I think I think just Auburn kind of is so broad, but like just improving. And just even when Auburn loses, making it like at least competitive, um, I think that's been the issue the past probably three or four years. That when Auburn loses, it's a lot of times it hasn't been close. Um, and I wouldn't expect it. I don't like we gave our prediction. I don't really expect it to be close against Georgia. Um, but you know maybe Auburn can go to LSU and then, like at least just look competent on offense. You know kind of being there for three quarters and then I think I still think Auburn could be on this at home, um, mostly because it is at home. But I think just even if Auburn loses that game, um, just at least just at least being in the game, getting some kind of identity offensively, um, mostly through the air, because we both agree that the running running game is is pretty good. Um, but I think whether it, it is Peyton Thorne or Robbie Astrid for the remainder of the season, I think you've got to find some kind of offensive identity. Because I think the defense is pretty settled. I think mean, they have their identity. They're, they've been pretty good. But you got to help them out. And um, even if it doesn't turn into a win on the schedule, at least like playing a game where you lose only by three instead of 17. Um, so I think that's – and I think that all ties back to Auburn finding some kind of identity through the air at quarterback and then finding some receivers too that um, can get open and just just make a play downfield.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's going to be key. And I think, I think really just Auburn giving some fight. I think is what I think really like if whether it's against Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, just something like that, just some fight would be good to see from this Auburn team because that's what characterized last season so well under Cadillac was they fought for him so well and I think that's what this team is really missing is just is that fight, you know? And I hope I hope they can show it if whether it's against Georgia or whether it's after their bye week I hope they can show a little bit more fight to really stay in this season
1: yeah I completely agree with you I mean like you said under Cadillac like, Auburn lost to Mississippi State in overtime but I don't think there's any complaints from the Auburn Auburn fans like this is his first game as head coach like like I said at least Auburn looked like they wanted to win the game um, and even against Alabama like Auburn ended up uh, losing pretty bad. I, I don't remember the final score, but it's like, Auburn still ran it for like 250 yards. It was like the most rushing yards an Alabama team has allowed under Nick Saban. Um, so it's like, there are at least some positive takeaways offensively from each game, even in losses. And that just hasn't, uh, that didn't happen against A&M. And um, going back to when Brian Harson was head coach, there were just so many losses. Like there's not even a positive takeaway from this game. Uh, there, and then the same thing would happen the next week. So there's just no improvement at all. No fight. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's a big point, just getting some kind of fight out of the players and like, Hey, even if we lose, like we can walk off the field with our, our, uh, our heads held, our heads held high. Um, I just, don't, I don't think there was any of that after A&M, um,
0: with how bad the offense was. That was, that's the brutal thing is, is that's what I'm hoping they can find. And, and I know Cadillac's still on the roster. Maybe he can, he can turn up that charm, turn up that, uh, that ability to just get these guys riled up, but. You know, I think that's going to be the biggest thing with you Freeze and, and his tenure is can he, can he find that energy that Cadillac brought? And if he can and if he can combine the the way that he ran things at Liberty and even at Ole Miss back in the day when things were still good there, I think this team could find it, but they need they need to find some fight. But, but Jacob, thank you so much, dude. It was an absolute pleasure having you back on the podcast. But let's close it out. Where can people find your stuff and where, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, um, you can find my stuff at Um Or no, it's just Um You can find my stories there and the rest of my sports section there and uh, on
0: X or Twitter, uh, whatever we're calling it, uh, at jacobwaters underscore. Absolutely. Well, Jacob, thank you so much, man. It was an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you and excited to see how this game plays out this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely.